Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with Him, and go advance His kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. I'm your host, Austin, one of the pastors here at Redemption Chapel. And with me on the mics today, I got our lead pastor, Rick. How you doing, man? Good, brother. Good to be back on the mic. More often than not, I'm here with you. But the last two, I wasn't. Who was it? So I think I think it was only the last one you were. So last, last one. one we recorded live with Marquise right, at the men's right. conference. Okay. All so, right, good, good. Yeah. So if you're listening and you haven't listened to that, go listen to that one before right that. That's a good one. Is it hard for you not to have a live studio audience again? Did that? No, it, I'm okay with no live. <laughs> it was cool to have it, but it's it's a different vibe. So, yeah. But there is a third person evidently there on is. the mic. There is a voice <laughs> over there. How are you I'll doing? be your yeah. live studio audience. Yeah. I'll cheer for you. <laughs> That's right. Pastor Jared, how are you doing, man? Good. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And and we're recording this a couple of days before your sabbatical. So when this comes out, yes. you'll... You'll be on your sabbatical, yeah. so yeah, this is uh, last few days in the office, man. So, yeah, so if you have questions about something I say, do not email me. <laughs> yeah, send them somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, hey, before we get into the topic, let me let me ask you guys this question. So this that we're recording this in the, kind of near mid we're mid May. Uh, next month will be June, and we'll be releasing it the week of Father's Day. And we're all uh, us three right here on the mics. We're fathers, and so. Uh, we'll celebrate obviously Father's Day coming up. So, um, what what's your ideal Father's Day? So, if your wives come up to you and say, "Hey, what do you want on this day? What's that one thing you want?" And we're back. So after uh, Pastor Austin uniquely worded his question, uh, we had a slight junior high outbreak on on Mike, and uh, and now we're back. So we're back. brother, okay. uh, please rephrase yeah. <laughs> Let's your try question. this again. So Father's Day. What's your ideal Father's Day? Perfectly worded. <laughs> well done, brother. I mean, obviously get. Good time with the kids. I like going on hikes, which my kids don't. That was something that COVID has robbed our family of, because mm-hmm. that's back when that's all you could do. And be like, we're going on a hike. They're like, no. But if my kids were willing to do what I want to do, I'd love to go on a nice kind of long hike with the fam. We got great trails around here. Yep. So that's always fun. But I would love to coffee shop it up for a little bit and just read a book. I'm a biography guy. You guys know that. Yep. Read a good biography. And yeah. And in and, and my world, food is fun, which I may have to look into that. There may be issues there, but probably involving a steak at some point. Oh, yeah. Nice. Nice. So for me, if things start to get a little bit different in the McKee house now that we are empty nesting and Caleb lives in another city. So, you know, we just cleared Mother's Day and it was the first Mother's Day when both of our kids weren't there. So that was a little bit weird. And I'm anticipating Father's Day might be the same. One unique thing for us is my birthday is right around Father's Day. You know, that skips around a little mm-hmm. bit, but usually within a few days. So sometimes it's a combined celebration. And in a great day for me, obviously, I want time with my kids, but I also want time away from my kids and time to recharge. So a lot of times it'll be kayaking. So for me to get a pedal and a paddle in, um, 
bike and then a kayak and just some time alone is good. Yeah. When does this happen? Do you, does Shannon buy you something for Father's Day? At what point do the kids totally bear the weight? Because now even like Mother's Day, at what point? Like I, Molly told me when we had kids, like, hon, you know you're the one that has to buy the 100%. good call. I didn't know that. But when does mm-hmm. it stop? And then it's just totally on the kids. Well, yeah. and that's a sliding scale because it doesn't, it doesn't stop but it starts to shift some. So yeah. I moved into a coaching mode, but what I wasn't gonna do is trust Mother's Day to a bunch of teenagers <laughs> and they biff it and my wife is crushed. And so uh, I was backing out, but going, hey, you got this, right? What are the plans? No, no, really, what are the plans? Uh, now I hit this year and I told them, that, listen, you're 23 and 21, you're on your own, hope it goes well, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm out. Yeah. But you didn't answer, did you? Yeah, for me, I so so I like I like getting on the bike in the summer, so I enjoy that. But um, I just biking takes a like if you want to go on a long bike, right? It takes a while, and I don't get to do that a lot with our kids being their ages. So someone just having a couple of hours to to go bike on the towpath in the valley or bike and hike here in Stowe, and not have to worry too much about time. Just take it and enjoy it. Nice. How far of a bike ride is that for you? Like a long bike ride? What is that? Yeah, for you? I would. Like twenty five plus miles. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not into. That's respectable. Yeah, I mean, it's and the nice thing is similar to trails. I mean, with bike and hike in the towpath, I mean, you can. Yeah. You can go nonstop from here <laughs> to Kent all the way over to the park. So, yeah, nice. try to get a bike right in. So. All right. Well, we're gonna talk about a topic that I know we've talked about it as pastors, and um, I know people in our churches asked us about it, but but it's it's the Asbury Revival. So this was earlier this year, back in February, uh, this revival broke out at Asbury University. And so people's been asking us from time to time, really more so when it was going on, is what should we think about it? And, you know, like, should we go to it at some point? And, you know, it's over now, but in that time. And so we wanted to talk about really not just that particular event, that's kind of a, a starting point, but we really want to talk about revival in general. What does that mean? What does it look like? Does the Bible say anything? Kind of, that's what we want to dive into. Now, before I let you guys kind of kick around some questions, let me make sure our listeners understand kind of what we're talking about. I'm sure if you're on social media, you know a little bit about the Asbury Revival. It blew up on social media. It was very prominently there, but it, it started as a chapel service at Asbury uh, University, a regular chapel service back on February the 8th. And I'm going to mess this guy's name up, so I'm going to give it a shot. His, na- his first name was Zach. His last name was Mer- Merkribs? Merkribs? Did you say Zach M? <laughs> Zach M. That sounds yes. better, yeah. So he, I thought so. Uh, yeah, like so alumni of the university there, uh, works in church planning, but he was there speaking. Uh, I actually listened to the sermon a few days ago, and, and he even said this himself, so I'm not saying it for him. Like He said this. It's like the most average sermon. He even texted his wife after he told a reporter that, he texted his wife and just said, "Like I totally bombed that sermon on my way home. Like <laughs> he was he wasn't happy about it. He's just an, yeah, just an average sermon. But after the sermon, a uh, couple of students, I think they said like eighteen students, stayed and prayed. And that's you know over a couple of hours that turned into more students. And then that night it turned into you know the whole campus being there in the chapel and it turned into praying and singing, which eventually then kind of turned into what we saw on social media was this two week long." Uh, you know, the term revival was used where students and also people from all over states, you know, far away coming and just kind of this continual time of prayer, worship in the chapel there. So uh, again, it it got huge. It went viral. um, And so a lot of people saw it. And the question we want to kind of dive into is, you know, how do we respond to that? 
and the idea of revivals in general. So, mm-hmm. uh, so let me start there with you guys to throw that question at you. Uh, what is a revival? Some people, when they say that term, they, they have images that come to mind. But what do we say when we say, what is a revival? What is that? Because the, when you say images come to mind, it's a big tent, right? <clears throat> so the big tent Baptist revival every summer uh, kind of image that goes on. And that's not what a revival is. Uh, historically, a revival has more to do with a spontaneous move of the Holy Spirit. Uh, now we'll get to Asbury here in a second, and, but some of the things you said bear the marks where the guy's sermon was average, uh, and then it was 18 students that just wanted to pray afterwards. And so that might fit, you know. But in any case, a, a, a spontaneous move of the Holy Spirit Usually it has to do with a lot of conviction and confession and repentance going on. This is for believers, for Christians who are just uh, realizing that there needs to be repentance. Usually there's fresh perspective that is ushered in, uh, and it might not be new perspective, it might be refreshed perspective, but eternal perspective, spiritual perspective, that uh, I'm, I realize how worldly I've been as a believer, and I want to be more godly, and, and so there's just all this repentance. A lot of times it'll lead to fresh worship, uh, fresh fellowship with God, fellowship with other believers. Will often result in serious discipleship uh, to to Christ. So, uh, where I don't want to be a comfortable Christian, a consumer Christian, uh, a cultural Christian, I don't want to just be in religion. Like I want to seriously walk with Jesus. And because of all that swirling together, then one of the big marks of a revival is that you change. I'm emphasizing that you. Because one of the things I saw with the Asbury revival is a lot of excitement that, oh, this is good for those young people, Hmm. meaning it's good for other people. And that's not the way it goes. That that you change. That It's not that your glad revival is here for other people, but my goodness, God, I'm so glad you just invaded my world and are changing me because I so desperately need it. So you change. And what you might have noticed in all the emphasis I put there is it has a lot to do with Christians. Now, usually in a revival, it also spills over into non-Christians that the lost get saved. But that's secondary, that's not primary Hmm. in in the tradition, the typical understanding of what a revival is. So I just tried to back up the truck and hit dump. Pastor Jared, what what did I leave out? What What would you tweak in that? Well, I mean, I think one of the most helpful things is beginning to lay out a definition. Because as it has come up and people have asked me, one of my hardest parts with the discussion is, you know, do you think that was a revival? I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. I think even before this, if all three of us sat down and wrote down the definition, it would probably be a little different here and there. And so by and large, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Until we get on the same page, and then it got silly. Okay, what? Oh, it's not a revival. It is. I don't even know what we're talking about. What do you mean by that? Is it just an exceptional work of the Holy Spirit? Well, okay, and I don't know. It gets hard because I wasn't there, and so sure. it gets hard to validate it. But, um, yeah, I appreciate you laying out. Okay, well, well, here's what we mean by that as we begin the discussion. Yeah, and, and even <clears throat> as we talk about some of those markers that, that, I, that I listed, one of the things I, I would point out is that revival is happening all the time. So uh, I came across a quote 
from John Piper on this, and I think it's helpful. Uh, at least TJ, who is producing the podcast, who's in the room, is already excited because uh, he's a Piper fan, right? All good. Here's what Piper said. He said, in the history of the church, the term revival in its most biblical sense has meant a sovereign work of God in which the whole region of many churches, many Christians, has been lifted out of spiritual indifference and worldliness into conviction of sin, earnest desire for more of Christ and his word, boldness in witness, purity in, of life, Lost, excuse me, lots of conversions, joyful worship, renewed commitment to missions. You feel God has moved here. And basically, revival then is God doing among many Christians at the same time or in the same region, usually what he is doing all the time in individual Christian lives as people get saved and individually renewed around the world. As a bit of a tongue twister, it even... <laughs> trip me up a few times. But but let me break that down. Basically, what he's saying is God is always at work. The Holy Spirit's always on the move. The Holy Spirit is always convicting, uh, giving the gift of faith even to believers where we respond to him uh, in that conviction and, and have a fresh uh, or a refreshed relationship with God and a commitment to follow him. And so in a sense, God is doing that at various points around the globe all the time. Now the question begins, and if you dissect Piper's quote there some, the question is, how many people? And now you get into the, the paradox of the heap, where if I put one pebble on the table, is that a heap? No. Two? Still no. Three? No. At some point, we, we shift over and are going, oh, that's a heap. And where is that number? So with revival, it's the same question. Like God is doing this in believers' lives all the time. Is it two believers together experiencing that? Three, four. At what point do we go, oh, oh my goodness, look at that. It's a revival. Uh, and probably not even a helpful question to answer, <laughs> to be honest, right? So the point, though, is that God is moving all the time, convicting all the time, and people are responding to him all the time. And what we probably don't want to do is start to parse a specific head count that if we hit that number, now we get to call it a revival. Yeah, I mean, you feel that? Is that? I mean, it feels yeah. silly, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. At some point, it starts to feel arbitrary. I think on some level, we're talking about something of extraordinary scale. You know, the scope of it becomes big, and then we start talking revival. And what is that number? Well, who who knows? And essentially, who cares? You know, at some point, it's yeah. The spirit doing what the spirit does. But he seems to do it in an extraordinary way in one region. Can God do that? Sure. I don't know. Do I feel a need to label when it becomes a revival? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and, and if we're going to label it, we should probably give chapter and verse from the Scripture <laughs> that, that defines that. But that'd be a problem, wouldn't it, Austin? <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's the question. So is it, is it in the Bible? I mean, what you guys are—I mean, the things that you're saying are obviously in Scripture, but when we think about revival, is that a term? Is that an idea we find in Scripture? If so, where? <laughs> Well, the if so where question is, has a very short answer. <laughs> uh, so what does the Bible say about revival? Nothing. That's going to be a real hard pill for some people to swallow, and I'd invite them to email us and share their verse. Now, you got to be careful because the verse, like, I'll give you a verse. Psalm 85, 6 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? 
Okay. Oh, there it is. Talks about revival. Oh, back up, back up. There is no exegete on the planet that would read Psalm 85, 6, will you revive us again that your people may rejoice in you, and, and therefore go rent a big tent and pitch it in a field and say, well, yeah, this is what, that, I mean, it just does not flow. Or nor would they drive to uh, Asbury. That just wouldn't happen. So there are really no verses in the scripture that tell us, here's people of God, here's what you should be looking for. Look for uh, big experiences of the Holy Spirit to rush at certain points in the globe and, and run there. That, that's just not in the scriptures. What is in the scriptures? The first coming of Jesus Christ. Look to that. And then the second coming of Jesus Christ. Look to that, hope in that, anticipate that, long for that, and then what you have is time in between. It says nothing about waypoints of revivals and breakouts and stuff. Now, doesn't mean that God can't do it. Doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. But if the question is, what does the Bible say about it? The answer is nothing. Would you agree, Pastor Jared? Yeah, I mean, I... That's the beauty of modern day software. I mean, you can yeah. you can put it into your own software right. concordance. The the word just doesn't come back if we're talking about just that word. Now, has God done extraordinary things in the scriptures? Of course, you know. But mm -hmm. man, to label it and chase after that, I could think it could start to get dangerous after a while. Yeah, and it's just not the pattern of the New Testament. There's no way you read the New Testament and come out of it and go, you know what we really need to do? We need to seek revivals. That's just not there. It has a lot to say, but that's just not there as a normative experience for, for Christianity and what our goal is and what our seeking. Again, it's the first coming and the second coming of Jesus. Now, the good news is those two things are permanent. First coming of Jesus is permanent. It's not going away. Jesus will come back again. That is permanent. It won't go away. The thing about these revivals, they're temporary. So there was the first great awakening in America, then it was followed by the second great awakening, uh, both evidently wonderful spiritual awakenings, revivals, evidently. What's interesting is after the first one, you needed a second. Hmm. After the second one, you look for an Asbury. They, they don't last. Hmm. They, don't, they don't stick. They're so our hope in this, what, when you ask a disciple, you read the New Testament, what is the believer's hope? We're looking for the second coming of Jesus. We're not looking for the second coming of the second great, great awakening. We're not looking for Asbury, we're looking for Jesus. So that's where our hope and our focus should be. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it, and I mean, but it goes, let's say it explicitly, it's not still going, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right it was two it's weeks, yeah. you know? And it, man, did God do something? Man, maybe, you know? I'd, be careful to say it didn't, but at some point it stopped. And I, I just always feel bad for the guy that has to shut it down too. I was, <laughs> I was talking to Pastor Austin. All I can think of is the Forrest Gump scene where he's running, you know, in this big movement. He just stops and just, I'm tired. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> like, like who's the guy that has to shut down the big movement of God? Like, it's been fun because uh, it's it's the parable of of the heap in reverse. Yeah. Like, at what point yeah. did we go? Nope, too small. I yeah. think I'd have got like an ice cream truck or something like, you know, Soft hey guys, yeah. good news, bad news. You know? <laughs> and it was from the school's perspective. They were the ones that shut it down. So yeah. interesting point. Yeah. But yeah. Your, your point to affirm that they are temporary. Yeah. And, and again, you even said in that, it's not to say that God wasn't moving in that. And again, back to one of my earlier points, 
God is moving all the time. So, yeah, I'm assuming God did move with it, whether he instigated the Asbury revival or worked within and through that. Either way, God worked. I believe it 100%. But he does that all the time. Hmm. Well, and you mentioned it earlier. I think a huge part of it is the spontaneous work of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like the whole some of the revival mentality Pastor Austin, even with your background of kind of Baptist revivals, and it's kind of the interesting side of, okay, so we're planning a spontaneous movement of the Spirit at some point. Hopefully you can even hear it in the description. Yeah. It gets silly. And that's a good point. I'm glad you bring it up because that's some of the, as I hear you guys discussing this, I'm, th- I'm thinking about the people from my background listening mm-hmm. to this that grew up in that. And that's like the hardest thing to get around because the only way, if you grew up in that Baptist revival culture, the only way you've ever heard revival described or seen as you schedule it. It's these days and someone comes in and speaks and you hope that God moves Mm -hmm. and you do it again over and over. So yeah, I think you're right. It's, I think most of what we think about revivals steeped in tradition, not actually the Bible to your point. So (laughs) if God doesn't move, you just keep every head bowed, every eye closed until somebody starts coming forward. Play the song again. (laughs) Just loop it. So, so you guys have already kind of, you've already got here a little bit, but just to kind of get more specific, you know, we, as we think about this Asbury revival, you know, people are still asking, even though it's over, what should I think about it? Because who knows, there might be another move of God on a college campus like that, and they're going to say, what do we think about it? So, so how should we respond to something specifically like what happened at Asbury? Yeah. Well, first I'd say don't judge it, because we're, we're judging it from afar. And, and you really can't judge it in either direction. Right. Yeah. So the question was, was it legit? My answer is no idea. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Possibly was, possibly wasn't. And it's interesting to see the reactions on social media. Uh, some were automatically on board. They had no idea what happened. They don't know if it was legit, but there was a naivete out of a desire to seek an experience, I think. And so automatically this was just deified. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you had people who were judgy and mean who they also lacked data. They weren't there. They don't know what happened. It could have been the greatest move of God in the last decade. They don't, but they were automatically judgy and mean. And so I would say don't, don't judge it, positive or negative, because you just don't know. And there was um, when, and I have over the last several months been asked about uh, the Asbury revival several times. And, you know, Pastor Austin, I thought about doing a video on it and we were coming up on this podcast. I'm like, hey, let's just do this. And uh, one of the things God brought to my mind over these months is Gamaliel's response to the council in Jerusalem when they were judging the apostles. So, you know, there is a new work of God breaking out in the gospel, and they're preaching it, and they, the Jewish Sanhedrin, they didn't like it at all. And, and so they're thinking, man, do we, do we kill these guys? Do we beat these guys? What do we do? Uh, and, and Gamaliel stood up, and he said this. He said, so in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. And that's out of Acts 5, 38 and 39. So what's he saying? Don't judge it. Because listen, 
if, if it's of man, it's just going to like dissipate and it's going to disappear and it'll go away. Don't worry about it. And if it's of God, don't fight against it. You'll find yourself fighting against God. So just let it be. So, so one of my first things would be don't judge it. That's good. What about you, brother? What, what something comes to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm the same. I always want to be prone, I mean, very careful to, you know, judge and say that's not of God. Like, who am I to do that? I think of, you know, even the spirit of the Antichrist. So, mm-hmm. man, if you're telling me they're anti-gospel or they are, you know, in some way defaming, blaspheming the name of Christ, all day I'll say that is not of God. But outside of that, I just never want to be in a place of saying, man, that isn't of God unless there are just clear dangers of, man, something unbiblical is going on. Like, and I, I just feel both of those tensions. You go to a place where it's a cult of personality and, mm-hmm. man, they're teaching scripture, but gosh, like, ugh. you know, I get nervous. Is that really a movement of the spirit or is that just worldliness and cult of personality? But, man, until I hear them anti-gospel, anti-Christ, I, I don't want to absolutely slam them. And I don't want to doubt God can move. You know, I don't want to seek a flashy experience, but I also want to doubt that God can still move in powerful ways and however he wants. 100%. And, and there's also, man, once, once you want to take a disposition toward being judgy, you'll find evidence. You know, it's, it's confirmation bias yeah, type yeah. stuff. So when something like this happens, it attracts all kinds. People mm-hmm. start flocking there. Well, now some freaky stuff starts to happen. Might not be at the heart of it, might not be at the genesis of it, but all of a sudden you get some weird stuff, and then the detractors are going to point at that and go, look what's happening there. See? And then they find stuff to condemn. Some stuff that might actually be condemnable, but maybe was not the heart of it. Uh, and so, again, confirmation bias, and you start cherry-picking data as far as what's going on there. And so you got to be careful. Now, from what I understand, maybe you guys heard this, but the, uh, Asbury University or college? University. University. Yeah. Uh, has a history of consistent breakouts like this, which uh, does allow me to be a little bit like, mm, like the Holy Spirit, I guess maybe he chose a university. I don't you know. Like, this is his university and he wears their merch. I don't know, you know, uh, but it, obviously tongue in cheek. But so th- that leads me to go, mm, uh, that, that leaves me to be a little bit suspicious, but doesn't mean it can't happen or didn't happen. I do like that it started with a crappy sermon, though. That is fun. It does help, <laughs> yeah. And they yeah. seem to fight against the celebrity yeah. thing. Yeah, they told and certain artists not to come to do exactly. worship because it was, really was cool. all student-led, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Even in responding to what you said, is it legit? Couldn't the answer be both? Yep. Didn't it start with, you know, couldn't have, you know, again, we're, we're saying we're not judging it. Couldn't have started, man, God did something significant, and then it got hijacked and turned into something worldly. Sure. You know, and so... Even that, why do we have to say it was of God? Or And so now then, everything that happened, every speaker, every agenda in that was pure. Well, I don't know. It could easily have been both. Like, man, God did something. There was some great conviction of sin and movement of God, and then it kind of got hijacked. Yeah, I want to believe that at every meeting of a group of Christians that God is active. Where two or three are gathered yeah. in my name. There I am, and God is on the move. And also fallen human beings are still there. And so both are influencing God through his Holy Spirit and then us through our grossness. That happens. So so we don't judge. Now, keep us moving. Another thing that came to mind for me is don't go there. 
<laughs> now, granted, it's already shut down with Pastor Jared's ice cream truck idea would have been brilliant, <laughs> but, uh, but I would say don't go there. And the reason why is because there's nothing special about a location. There's no sacred spaces, places. Ever since the veil of the temple tore while Jesus hung on the cross, there is no sacred space. Uh, there's only a sacred Lord and his Holy Spirit. So uh, the nature, I think, of a movement of God today is that it goes out, not in. So if you think about Pentecost, that was a very unique move of the Holy Spirit. And the response wasn't, hey, we should go visit the Jerusalem revival. Did you hear what's going there? And it wasn't a, an inflow. But the idea was, oh my goodness, look what's happening. Now let's go to uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It's an outflow. We go outwards from revival, not inwards toward a revival. And so one of my suggestions is don't flock there. Because I think if you flock there, it, it is quite possible that that is an experience-seeking spirit within you, not a Holy Spirit moving within you. Is that fair? It's also safe to say that the town that it was in was tiny, and they probably couldn't take more people. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was small, middle of nowhere, Kentucky. As you say that, too, you know, Pastor Austin, I know revival is more your background, but you start touching on my background there with, you know, when you get into more of, like, Catholicism and a Catholic mindset. Mm -hmm. And yep. it's funny, I'm actually just about to FaceTime with our missionaries in Portugal. And when I got to visit them, you know, we went to Fatima, Fatima, depending on how you how bougie you want to be when you say it, but right, like to go to that, like we saw it, and it's so interesting, you know, to people flock to this tree, because this is a sacred tree in a sacred space, and I mean, and it truly like sat in my heart, like there's a big path that people, and it's significant, it's like quarter mile, and people are, are, are crawling on their knees, that's part of the mm -hmm. tradition, so you crawl on your knees, and you torture yourself to go to this, you know, quote-unquote sacred space, Man, it's sad, you know. I mean, I, you know, I wanted to like pick everyone up. Like, you can experience Jesus; His Spirit can move. You don't need to go to this tree and, man, to find our hope in Him and His Spirit, and not looking for sacred spaces. I mean, that's that's a, a legit thing. I think people feel that and crave that. And I, mean, I think we, we so associate that with Catholicism that I go, oh yeah, that's ridiculous of those Catholics. And then I think evangelical Christians are doing it with the Asbury revival, or, or we're doing or attempted yeah. to do the same exact thing. Unless I say that the chapel at that university is sacred in a way that other spaces are, that, that my hope is there, my need is there, as opposed to the omnipresent God who's omnipotent, omnibenevolent. He's, you know, like I can turn to him here as much as I could there. That's good biblical theology. Mm. Or I jettison that, and I really need to be at the that university chapel. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, I, and a lot of people did. So fifty to seventy thousand people by the end of the two weeks. So uh, that's how many visitors. Yeah. yeah. So well, and, to your point, I was like, yeah, that flocking nature. Everybody wanted to go to that location, which yeah. And I think if if you avoid that air, there's another air, and that is okay. I'm not going to go there. But I'm going to replicate what is there yeah. here. And, and that leads us then to manufacturing it. That I do want that experience, but I don't want the gas bill <laughs> of, of traveling there. So, man, let's all get together in our chapel at our university 
and see if we can't force the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Good luck on that one. Force the Holy Spirit to start to do here what he is doing there. And in the very definition of a genuine revival is that it flows from the mind and heart of God and no one else. And you cannot force his hand. You cannot manufacture it. You are completely receiving it, mm. not injecting it. Yeah. And so I, I fear uh, sometimes it's not uh, people avoid going there, but they try to replicate it here. Yeah, even in our world more, I just always want to be in a position of, man, my goal has got to be faithfulness, not fruitfulness. Mm -hmm. God determines fruit. You know, God determines results. I can only be faithful. And even to see, we talk about the apostles. Not every time they preached did thousands of people come. Right. God decided to move in that time in that way. And it, I think the apostles were being faithful each time, but not the same output happened. And even... You know, as a church, I get leery of setting these vision goals of numbers. We're going to reach this many people. And I was like, ooh, isn't that, isn't that God's job to determine that? I, I just want to be faithful, and I can't determine fruitfulness. Yeah, so how, so I mean, to kind of, as we wrap this conversation up, I mean, so our listeners have heard a lot of different thoughts on revival, you know, that the Bible doesn't specifically say it, but, you know, talks about us obviously looking to our hope, second second coming of Jesus is our hope, and then talked a little bit about Asbury. Now, now how how should they respond? Like, what should we do with this right now? Like, what should we do? Yeah, in this? our own lives. Yeah, not, yeah. not how should we respond to that revival. Yeah, that revival's come, over. Yeah, what do yeah. we do? What do we do now? Well, <clears throat> I, th I think we gratefully receive from God what he has generously given to us. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us the fellowship of believers. He's given us opportunities to worship him in private and in public. Uh, he's given us the preached word uh, to the assembled body of Christ. Did I say the Holy Spirit already? If not, put it on the list. <laughs> if I did it already, put him there twice. He belongs here twice, right? Talking so, revivals. Exactly. The Holy Spirit twice. Going. You know, outreach and, and serving and giving, like all these things. So this, what I'm basically talking about now is discipleship to Jesus. And that, my friends, is all over the New Testament. You won't find verses telling you to go seek these unique revivals. You will find verses for everything I just listed. And that is, so that's what we're commanded to as believers. So as opposed to seeking public revivals, you lean into personal revival as much as you can, every day, all the time. Repent of sin, turn from it, turn to the Lord. We're not playing around. This is serious stuff. And one of the things on my mind lately is, have you heard the phrase, uh, a thousand-yard stare? No. It's the idea. People come back from battle. It's part of PTSD, and they have like this thousand-yard stare. And sometimes it's, uh, it's a trauma response. Sometimes it's viewed as kind of being cool. Like that dude's got a thousand-yard stare, right? I want us to have a thousand-year stare. I want us to stare into the distance a thousand years where we go, what matters a thousand years from now? And it's my relationship with Jesus. It's my uh, repentance before him, walking with him, the word, everything I just mentioned. And if I am staring at those things, then how would I live today? And now I start to get, move out of worldliness into godliness, and I walk with him in a unique, fresh way. That is personal revival. That is open and available to every person that is hearing this right now. And I would say, what should we do? Don't drive to Asbury. Go towards biblical discipleship and repentance and fresh relationship with God. Yeah, I mean, in the end, 
I can get people, man, I want to experience God. And I come across, you know, in years of pastoring, man, I feel like something's missing. Mm-hmm. You know, and to go along with what you're saying, I, I don't, I just want to encourage you. You know, the passage comes to mind that we have everything we need for life and godliness. Yep. Don't go seeking more. Don't go seeking like, man, something's missing and there's some mystical experience you need to go find. Like, man, has God moved in unique ways in my life? Has there been more emotional times of worship? Sure. But I have everything I need, all the things you just mentioned. If I have his spirit and his word, I don't need to go be seeking. You see all these movies, these trails, and people go on these long hikes because there's you know this experience. So, and seek him, you know, and he'll give you what you need. And think of the apostles. Yes, there's a miraculous. We talk about them going to jail. Peter has these miraculous escape from jail. But then, you know, outside of, you know, Patmos and John on the island, they all end up dying. And so they didn't have a miraculous experience every time. Uh, just leave that to God. You you have what you need. Don't go seeking more. Seek him in his spirit. I love that you said that, brother, and it triggered within me the, I, that phrase that we've heard before, probably said before, that you have as much of the Holy Spirit as you're ever going to get. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You have as much of the Holy Spirit as you're ever going to get. The question is, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? And I, I think that's the issue of personal revival, is that it's a time of repentance where I'm going, man, I've been holding back on God. I've been loving other stuff, junk in this world. And and so I'm, I don't need to go to some revival to seek more of the Holy Spirit because they got, they got some unique monopoly. No, no, not at all. But does God have all of me? Hmm. Uh, and and that's, that's a personal revival. Yeah. And then while, while you're sitting in that, then, then I want you to remember that your hope is in the second coming of our, uh, of our Lord. So I'm not looking for a revival to make my life make sense here on earth. No, I live in a fallen, sucky world, and I will until Jesus comes back or he takes me home. And so my hope is not in some revival in some university chapel somewhere in America. Hex no. My hope is in Jesus and the new heaven, the new earth, and someday. That's where our hope is biblically. Yeah. Well, as we, before we get off this episode, any kind of final thoughts you want to share? Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's good. Yeah. Well, hopefully if you're listening, I mean, you caught some of our heart, especially at the end. I mean, we, we want you to be not seeking some movement, but just, man, leaning into discipleship, growing. So we'll link in our uh, bio, the show notes, uh, some resources that help you do that. So... And I would just add, I, I feel like we recovered well. We started out with junior high, right? And I think we ended in a good place. I think so too. So we'll, we'll try to clean that up before the next time and uh, we'll see what happens. So thanks for joining us and hope you're back for another episode of Redemption Unscripted. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com slash grow. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.